Colossians chapter number one. Man, we've got a good one for tonight. A good one. But it's kind of like Smokey and the Bandit. <clears throat> How many of y'all have ever seen Smokey and the Bandit? You know what he said. We've got a long way to go. Amen. That means I got to go fast and you got to listen fast. And it means if we don't finish, it's your fault. <clears throat> it means you didn't listen fast enough. Amen. No, seriously, uh, we are going to do tonight, we are going to do a real short enough genuine Bible study. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take verses and, and, and bring them in. Uh, I've got a lot of verses, more than I've got printed on your outline. Uh, so in some of the points, I just put the address to the verse beside it so you can have that on your notes. But I've got them printed out, so don't worry. We're going to read them tonight because it's good. It's really good stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, why we should be thankful, why we should be thankful. Uh, we, we, you know, a lot of times when we, we give praises and in and, and a prayer meeting or, or a, uh, in, during prayer requests, we say, well, I want to thank God I'm saved. How many of you have ever said that? I want to thank God I'm saved. And we just kind of go on to the next one, and it's just kind of a, just a brief statement. And, and I don't think we really understand the significance of what we just said. And Paul goes into detail to explain exactly what happened and exactly what you got when you got saved. And this is going to be, oh, mercy, this is going to be good. I might need to get to Colossians myself. Amen. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's, let's read. Uh, let's all read Colossians chapter number one. We stopped. We stopped last week in verse number 11. So let's start in verse number 12. Uh, if you found your spot, say amen. amen. It says, giving, thanks. come on everybody, giving thanks. thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I want to read that again, and I just want you to let it soak in a minute. Just, just think about what we're reading. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the encouragement that we receive from it. Lord, I pray now that you will just honor it. I pray that you will anoint it. I pray, Lord, that you will move in your word. Lord, I know you said it would never return void. It would accomplish everything you set out for it to do. And I pray that you'll do that tonight. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll touch me with an unction from on high. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, please don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that every single person, every different individual in this room tonight, and watching in our, our Fairview family, watching by way of the internet, Lord, I pray right now that they will get what they need. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each and every individual tonight. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Out at Fairview, y'all say amen. 
And y'all can be seated here tonight. All right. Church, say amen. amen. Now, now, just a small, small, small review of Colossians. Uh, Colossians is a letter that's being written by Paul from prison uh, to a group he has never seen. He's never been there, but it is an outreach of his ministry in Ephesus. And they have false teachers there. The false teachers are telling people that Jesus was just another good person. He was just one of the many emanations from God. In other words, they're basically trying to put him on the same level as as the angels. So he's not that big a deal. He's He's just one of many good things. And Paul is refuting all of that in the letter of Colossae to Colossians. And he is saying that Christ is the only thing. Christ is everything. Christ is the preeminent one. Are y'all with me? And in this part of the letter, we are seeing what Christ has done for us. If Christ is not your everything, and if Christ is not your only thing, then you don't know a thing. And right here, he's telling us what Christ did for us. Next week, we're going to learn not just what Christ did, but who Christ is. Amen. He's the preeminent one. He is the, listen, he is the image of the invisible God. Man, that's going to be good. I'm about ready for next week. Amen. Christ is everything. But tonight, what has he done for us? He said, I'm giving thanks. And we should all give thanks. Doesn't the Bible say in Colossians 3, 17, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, say it with me, giving thanks to his name. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to I just go ahead and do that right now. I, I want to give thanks to God tonight. Uh, I was working on this outline. I know yours looks a little funky tonight. It don't look like a normal one that I put out. And the reason that is, is when I got through with all this, and I mean, I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been going after it, putting this thing together, and I always send it by, uh, uh, by, by email to the guys so they can get it all ready for you. And, and, and then I'll, I'll set it up to print off an outline copy for you. And in between sending it to them and making yours, everything disappeared. Everything, all the work, every verse, everything I had, I just happened to have sent it to them and I had an extra copy and I want to thank God today I didn't lose my religion. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. That's why your outline don't look like normal. Amen. But listen, seriously, I, I, I want to give thanks. Uh, this week, this week, been a tough week. And I know it's been a tough week for many of y'all. Uh, uh, Sunday, Sunday was kind of difficult. You know, we had a real easy topic to deal with, you know. Uh, uh, and that's, uh, you should laugh at that because it was, you know, if you were there, you understand. Uh, it's just a difficult thing. Man, I was stressed to the max. A lot of things going on, been, been wide open. Monday, Monday, I got in the car, I got in the car and, uh, and, and, and just went for a ride, just went for a ride, uh, rolled the windows down. That's the first time I've done it in a long time. And it just, I just chilled out. It was, it was incredible. And I started thinking about all the things that God has done for me and all the things that God has blessed this place with. And, uh, just my family, my wife and, and just everything. And man, it was a great day just thinking and thanking God for what he's done. 
And then Tuesday, I got a negative comment directed toward me, and I just lost my religion. I mean, I just, I just, all of a sudden, I got depressed. I got discouraged. One, one little stupid comment, and I just, and it was like I sat down and, and pouted a little bit. I know y'all never do that, but I did. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, what was that that you were saying in that car yesterday? He said, do you remember all And you know what? I said, what am I worried about that comment for? And so I just started thanking God again. And you know what? Immediately, my attitude changed. Immediately, the whole atmosphere around me changed. And, and, and I want to I I give some proof to this. After that, we had Bondo Church last night. And we were, we were dealing with, we were dealing with uh, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter number 28. And in and, and all the times, in all the times I've taught on the Great Commission, I've sat under preaching about the Great Commission, this one little phrase, it's never been brought up and it's never been dealt with. But in Bondo Church last night, I got DJ, he's here, he's a, he's a witness to this. In Bondo Church last night, right before he gives the Great Commission, the Bible says that he was with his disciples, his disciples, and it says some were worshiping and some were doubting. Are y'all with me? Some were worshiping and some were doubting. And I thought, I, ne- I just, it's, it's never dawned on me. And God kind of whispered to me. He said, son, those that were worshiping were not doubting. And those that were doubting were not worshiping. So if you're struggling with doubt, you need to get to worshiping. And it reinforced what happened to me that day when I stopped worshiping. When I stopped giving thanks, when I stopped giving praise unto God, I went immediately into doubt mode and discouragement mode. And are y'all with me? I know we ain't even got to it yet, but I'm just rolling with it. Are y'all with me? Let's learn to be thankful. Let's learn. Listen, God commands us to be thankful. The very first step to backsliding is unthankfulness. When we stop being thankful, and by the way, one of the, one of the characteristics of a wicked person is they're unthankful. Have you ever noticed that when we stop being thankful, we start taking for granted what we have? And when we start taking for granted what we have, we start getting irritated about what we don't have. Anyway, let's just get back because I'm, I'm going to just keep running that rabbit. We need to be thankful. And Paul is telling us some reasons why we need to be thankful. He said, let me just tell you what happened. What happened? What happened when you got saved? What happened the day that you knelt before the Lord and trusted in him and placed your faith in him and asked for his forgiveness? What took place? Verse number 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which we should all do. Amen. Amen. We should all do. Why? Why? Which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So, number one, first we see, why should I be thankful? Because he qualified me. He qualified me. Qualified me for what? He qualified me for an inheritance. You see, before I came to Christ, I was lost and undone without God or his son. I was an alien. I was an enemy to God. I was unqualified. 
I was condemned. The Bible says he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I was on my way to hell. I was on my way to judgment. I was under condemnation. He was my judge. But when I got saved, he qualified me. He enabled me. He made me able to receive an inheritance. Say amen. Watch this. Watch this. I got verses. Y'all don't have them, but I got them. Watch this. Ephesians 1.11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The moment you got saved, you were given the Holy Spirit. You were not only given the Holy Spirit, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Watch this. Why? Why? Which is, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. In other words, God has promised you an inheritance. God has promised you an inheritance. Now, you don't have possession of that inheritance yet. So he's going to give you, I, 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 how many of you have ever bought a house? Bought a house. When, you remember when you made an offer on that house? Remember when you made an offer on that house? What did, what did you have to give when you made an offer on that house? Earnest money. I remember the first time we bought a house when we first moved here. I'd never been in a, a bought house, a purchase house in my whole entire life. Never owned a house till we, 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 was going to buy that house, and we found it. We, we was with our realtor. We, I said, I want to make an offer. She said, okay. I said, here's what our offer is. She said, okay, I'm going to need $500 earnest money. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't know what earnest. I'd never heard of earnest money. The only earnest I knew went to camp somewhere, amen? <laughs> I said, ma'am, what is earnest money? She said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. She said, earnest money is to let the seller know you're serious about your offer. And I about had a fit because I started thinking about this verse. And I started thinking about what God said, that the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. God gave you the Holy Spirit to let you know he's serious about his offer. He's given you something to keep tight, to hold on to, to let you know that this inheritance is real and he's serious about his offer. Somebody say amen. We are sealed. He's the earnest of our, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Ladies, the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring. It is, it is the seal. It's the promise You don't have the inheritance yet, but I want you to know I'm serious about it. So I'm going to give you my spirit to be in you, to seal you and let you. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Romans 8, 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. Watch this now. And join heir. Join heir. You know what that means? If I'm a joint heir with Christ, that means whatever Christ owns, I own. Whatever God the Father is going to give to God the Son, He's going to give it to me too. 
I'm a joint heir with Christ. Everything that God the Son is going to inherit, I'm going to inherit it too. Say amen. What is that going to be? What is our inheritance? What is our inheritance? What is being left to us? What are, what are we waiting to receive? Watch this. Three things. There's several, but I just want to give you some really important things. A, the first thing we see, our inheritance is eternal life. Our inheritance is eternal life. Matthew 19, 29. And everyone that has forsaken houses, brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. In other words, if you've lost anything down here on this earth to, for the cause of Christ, watch what it says. It says, shall receive a hundredfold and shall what? And shall inherit what? You see, before Christ, you're doomed to death. But you say, well, everybody's going to die. Even saved people die. But you don't understand. There's going to be a second death. A second death. When all of those that are judged are going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. But God is telling you this. If you will come to Christ, you will inherit eternal life. You will not just inherit eternal life. You will inherit his life. Christ's life. Are y'all with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have. Now how many of y'all are glad that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the future? Because in your inheritance, you're going to inherit eternal life. Not only eternal life. That's great. That's great. I'm thankful for the sweet by and by. But guess what? It's more practical than that. Our inheritance is more practical than that. Not only are we going to inherit eternal life, but we're going to inherit earthly land. Earthly land. Some of you are thinking, what? All right, I'm going to give you a verse. I told you we're going to do a real Bible study. We've got a bunch of verses to go through. Watch this. Matthew 5, 5. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, they shall inherit the earth. Psalms 37, 29. The righteous shall inherit and... Are y'all with me? Okay, now watch this. Now, now most of this reference, most of this reference is talking about the millennial reign. When Jesus comes back to this earth, we're going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit. He's going to be the king of the earth. He's going to be the owner of the earth, of the whole earth. But guess what? What he receives, what he inherits... We do too. All right, now watch. Now watch. 2 Timothy 2.12. 2 Timothy 2.12. You've got the address there in your notes, but I've, I've got it written. Watch this. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. That's in the millennial reign. When he comes to be king over the earth, we're going to reign with him. We're going to have designated areas that he's going to allow us to reign with him. If we deny him, he also shall deny us. Revelation 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us what? 
kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You can't be a king without a kingdom. You can't be a king without a realm. Without something, a king has authority over, are y'all with me? And he's made his kings. Now, watch this. Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall, where? On the earth. Revelation 24, 20, verse 4. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, remember what I said a while ago? The second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Your inheritance, part of your inheritance is an allotment. Now, the phrase and the terminology being used here was the same terminology that was used with Joshua. How many of y'all remember in the book of Joshua? God is talking to Joshua. He is encouraging him. He's saying, be strong and a very courageous because you're going to go in. You're going to take the children of in. You're going to conquer the promised land. And you're going to divide for them what? An inheritance. He's saying, you're going to give them an allotment of the land. And, and they did. They divided the land according to the tribe. And, but my point is this. There is going to be a certain allotment to every individual child of God by according to what they do for him here. If we suffer for him, we shall reign with him. Now, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If you want to determine what you're going to be and how you're going to be and what you're going to reign in the kingdom there... You better get busy here. Because what you do here will determine your responsibility there. And I'm not, I don't have enough time to preach all that, but just trust me. Trust me. Our inheritance is eternal life. Our inheritance is going to be an allotment of land that we're going to rule over. And we're going to rule with Christ during the millennial reign. Listen, then see. <clears throat> see. We see not only eternal life, earthly land. But I'm telling you, I I burn up the source on this one. Extraterrestrial legacy. Everybody knows what extraterrestrial is. It's out of this world. A legacy, the definition of legacy is a gift by will, something left to another. Where do you get that? 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an, come on, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. Watch this now. Reserved in for, uh uh-huh, say amen. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for Somebody say amen. amen. What does that mean? That means during the millennial reign, we're going to have a responsibility. We're going to have a job. We're going to have an allotment. We're going to have inherited land that we're going to rule over with Christ. And we're going to have a summer home in heaven. Or winter. Y'all are not getting it. I can tell. 
Think about this. I'm going to prepare you a place. That place is the city of God. That place has a street of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, a place where there's no crying, there's no tears, there's no death, there's no suffering. The glory of God will be emanating all through it. You're getting a place there. He's preparing you a place there that's reserved in heaven for you. All of that's part of your inheritance. Isn't it amazing? You had no idea the day you knelt before Christ that you were getting all that. Our inheritance is eternal life. It's going to be earthly land. We're going to come back. We're going to come back, and he's going to give us an allotment. Because Christ, God the Father, is giving God the Son this earth as his footstool. And God is going to, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is going to give an allotment to every believer as an inheritance. And obviously our home in heaven our place in heaven that he's preparing for us. How many of y'all are glad that the day you came to Christ, you're getting an inheritance? Amen. Amen. Now, number two. Number two. Ooh. Got to hurry. He qualified me. It says, he hath made us meet. In other words, qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So, That's really enough message right there. We can go home and say, that's wonderful. But it's way more than that. He not only qualified me, number two, he delivered me. Who has delivered us, who has delivered us from the power of darkness? Now, here's the thing. The word delivered means rescued. Rescued. I think sometimes when we say, I want to thank God for saving me, we don't understand all the time everything that we receive, but I think sometimes we don't understand how bad a shape we was in, how much danger we were actually in, just how condemned we really were. He said, let me tell you, I thank God because he delivered me from the power of darkness. Now watch this. Here's some things I want you to see. What did he deliver us from? A, an evil world system. An evil world system. Ephesians 2, right there in your notes, Ephesians 2. And you hath he quickened. The word quickened means made alive. Made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Where in time past you walked according to the what? The course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. But one thing I want you to take from that, the course of this world. There is an evil world system. There is a spirit in this world. Through the scriptures, he calls it the world. Primarily, he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Watch this. Galatians 1.4 said, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And he's not talking about the the, the mountains or the creeks or the lakes. He's not talking about creation. He's talking about the system, the way the world thinks, the way the world operates, 
the way Hollywood influences. That's, that's, it's that system. It, it doesn't, all you have to do is turn on the TV and you're going to hear vulgarity. You're going to hear all kind of, and see all kind of wickedness. You're going to see things that the Bible is completely against. And the world is trying to uh, conform you to its image. That's why it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you realize, do you realize if you don't fill your mind with this word, you're saturated with the system, the culture, the atmosphere of this world. And the more you're in it, the more you see it, the more you hear it, the more you're exposed to it, you start conforming to it. Oh, I I don't believe that. Really? Go to an airport. Go to an airport and watch how people dress. Watch how people act. And you can go to a church and you can see people, even if it's immoral, even if it's immodest. Listen, ladies will have a tendency to drift more and and adapt to what they see in the world. Christians will, will begin to adapt and conform to the way they talk and the way they act and the way they think. Who would have ever thought in a million years that somebody would from a pulpit say it was okay to live in a homosexual lifestyle? Who would have thought in a million years that anybody would stand in a pulpit and say that abortion is biblical? What's happening? They're being conformed. Conformed means to apply pressure to. In other words, the world is applying pressure to think like they do and to operate like they do and to act like they do. But God said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Listen, you need to stand out. You need to be different. And the only way you're going to transform your mind is from the inside out. And it's to saturate your mind with God's word. But see, before you knew Christ, you were in that system. You were okay with that system. You were controlled by that system. You were going, as as far as the verse says, you were going according to the course of this world. You were going with the flow. You know what? God rescued you from that. Look what it says. Look what it says. He delivered us from this present evil world. James 4.4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world, that system, keep in mind he's not talking about the people itself. Because you have to be in the world to reach those people. He's talking about the system. Does everybody know where I'm going with that? He says, love not the world. We're supposed to love sinners, right? But not the sin, not the mentality, not not the actions, not the system. Love not the world. Friendship of this world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 5.4 For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when he says... He delivered us. He is saying he rescued you from the course of this world, from that atmosphere, that wickedness. He snatched you out of that. And you say, why is that such a big deal? Because you didn't even know you were in it. When you behaved that way and you acted that way and you lived that way, it was completely normal. 
But when you, when you came to Christ and he delivered you and brought you out of that, now you turn around and look back at it and you think, have mercy. Are y'all with me? But guess what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd still be in it. So when you get saved and you thank God for saving you, you better say, thank God for saving me out of this wicked world. Not only did he deliver us, rescue. Remember that word means rescue. He rescued us from an evil world system. He rescued us, B, from an evil world ruler. An evil world ruler. Ephesians 2, 2, same verse. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the, the print. Come on, everybody. According to the prince to the power of the air. We know that's Satan. Amen. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the deception of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He had control over you. You lived your life according to his will. According to Satan's direction. You were under his influence. You were under his control. The Bible says if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Why are they lost? Because they've been blinded by Satan. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying Christ came into your life and rescued you. From the jaws of the lion. Say amen. Amen. He rescued you. From the thief. He rescued you from the murder. It says the thief cometh but to steal. Kill and destroy. But Jesus said I am come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. I I don't know if you get it but it's a big deal. You were rescued from an evil world system. You were rescued from an evil world ruler. You were rescued from evil worldly desires, our flesh. Watch what it says in that same, that same chapter, Ephesians 2. Not only were we walking, living according to the course of this world, we were walking, living according to the prince of the power of the air. But it says, among whom we also had our conversation. The word conversation means behavior, activity. Our behavior in time past in the lust of our fulfilling the desires of the and of the mind. And, and here's, here's how we understand that. And whereby nature, the children of wrath, even the others. What does that mean? That means I was broken. My flesh was controlling me. My old nature my old nature, I, you know, you, you, let, me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. When the cat goes in front of the dog and the dog barks at it, don't get mad at the dog. Don't get angry at the dog. It's just what he is. He's doing what comes 
Are y'all with me? He's doing what comes natural. That's like saying fish don't swim. Bird don't fly. Guess what? When you were lost, you lied because that's what come natural. You sinned because that's what came. And literally, literally, you could not help it. Your flesh was in control. Your flesh was in charge. And when I say flesh, I don't mean your body's amoral. Your body can do good and your body can do evil. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, you, when we say flesh in Scripture, it's talking about your old nature. A fish swims because that's his nature. A bird flies because that's his nature. A dog barks at a cat because that's his nature. We sinned and we lived in that because that was our nature. We inherited that from our parents all the way back to Adam and Eve. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. When you arrived on this planet, you came broken. Are y'all with me? And it didn't matter. You could turn over every leaf in the forest and you were still broken. And you struggled. Listen, Paul said this, there is nothing good in my flesh. The Old Testament says that the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. And you had something controlling you. It wasn't just the system of this world. It just wasn't Satan and and our adversary. You struggle with your own flesh. You did what your flesh wanted to do. You behaved the way. And you you just fulfilled the desires and the lust of your flesh. And Jesus came and rescued you. Now, I know what you're saying. I know, I know what you're thinking right now. Well, dear God, preacher, he didn't rescue me enough. <laughs> because I still struggle. And Paul did too. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. That that I want to do, I don't do. And that that I don't want to do, I do. Who's going to deliver me from this body? Of, are y'all with me? But here's the difference. Here's the difference. I, if, if I had, I don't have the time. But if I had time, I'd, I'd tie my hands. I tie my hands and I have a person lead me with rope. All right. That person is in control. Y'all with me? I can't help it. He's controlling me. He's con- and that person would, I would say, I'd put a sign and say flesh. Okay. No matter what I had to do, it's bidding. Are y'all with me? He pulled me around wherever I wanted to go. I just fulfilled what it wanted. My flesh. But when you got saved, what happened was, is God cut the chain. Y'all with me? He delivered you. He rescued you. Now, he didn't destroy the flesh. He just destroyed his control over you. So what does that mean? He can influence me, but he can't make me. You with me? Now he can follow me around, but he ain't got no rope on me no more. Y'all with me? I don't have to listen to my flesh. Does that make sense? And so when you got saved, he delivered you from an evil world system. He delivered you from an evil world ruler. He delivered you from those evil worldly desires. 
Yes, they're still there. Yes, they still try to control you. Yes, they still can influence you if you let them. Well, why didn't he take them? The devil's still there. I know he's still there. I know he's still there. Peter said that. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, watch this now, watch this, roameth about seeking whom he, ho, seeking whom he may. It didn't say who he's going to. How many teachers in here? Teachers, raise your hand, teachers. Teachers, I see them, I see them. How many of y'all are mean? <clears throat> DJ said, I'm just going to raise my hand for my wife. How many of y'all teachers have done this? Has, you, has your student come to you and said, can I go to the bathroom? What do they always do? I don't know. Can you? I can go right here in the floor. They, they, what do they want? May I? May I? You see where we're going with this? That's right. The devil can only do what you let him now. He's not in charge anymore. He's not in control anymore. You know why? Because the day you got saved, Jesus rescued you. <laughs> say amen. amen. So when you say, I thank God I'm saved. You need to just go ahead and say, I thank God that God delivered me from this old wicked world. This whole system that's out there. I thank God that he delivered me from the old devil, that liar, that murderer, that snake. Say amen. The serpent, the dragon, that old devil. He don't have control over me anymore. He's not in charge anymore. He's not in control anymore. As a matter of fact, he delivered me from my old stinking flesh. I can put it under subjection. Say amen. amen. Yeah, he delivered us. He delivered us from the power of darkness, the authority of darkness. Then number three, he transferred me. <clears throat> he transferred me. He, he qualified me. He delivered me. And he transferred me. What does that mean? The word translated means to transfer, to go from one to another, to exchange. To exchange. What does it say he translated us to? To the kingdom of his dear son. So what does that mean? You went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You went from serving King Satan to serving King Jesus. Are y'all with me? Now watch what it says in Romans 14, 17. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and, and in the Holy Ghost. Now, now watch this. Let me kind of explain it. The kingdom is a special relationship that now, now we know we know there's going to be a future kingdom, right? We, we, we just talked about it in the first point. There's going to be a kingdom. The king is coming. King Jesus is going to come back. Listen, at the end of the tribulation period, and he's going to land, listen, on the hill opposite of the eastern gate. And matter of fact, we're going to go there at the end of this year, and I'm going to see that spot again for the third time. And I'm just going to have, I'm just going to think about this point right here, and I'm going to have a hallelujah fit right there on the Mount of Olives, and they're probably going to kick me out of Israel. 
But he's coming there. He's going to walk through the Kidron Valley. He's going to go through that eastern gate that they have blocked up and cemented. I want to see them keep Jesus out of there. He's going to assume his throne and he's going to rule this earth. Say amen. But that's future. But we're in a kingdom right now. We're in a spiritual kingdom right now. We get to enjoy righteousness. We get to enjoy peace. Say amen. Even in a tumultuous society, even in a time of pandemic, we can have peace and joy. Why? Because he's our king. The kingdom is a special relationship that men in this age have with God through Jesus Christ. What does it mean? A kingdom in its most basic sense, is a group of people ruled by a king. Now, you should put king there. That's a typo. I typed out kingdom and it should be king. In the most basic sense, it's a group of people that's ruled by a king. Christians acknowledge Christ as their king and we are subjects in his kingdom. Are y'all with me? And if we have a kingdom, there's got to be a king. And if there's a king, there's got to be subjects who follow the Now watch this. What does this mean? If he transferred me, he took me out of darkness and he put me in his kingdom so he could rule over me as, as my king. Look, it affects our behavior. When we understand that we are subjects in his kingdom, that he is our king, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. What does that mean? It means it's going to affect how I behave. Because I represent the king. I have a king. And that king is in charge. And as a king, he has authority. Now, I know this is hard for us to get because we don't have kings in America. And everybody's disrespectful Everybody's disrespectful uh, to, to our leadership. And, 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 and if you're a Democrat, you hate on the Republicans when they're in office. And if you're a Republican, you hate on the Democrats when they're in office. And, and there's absolutely, you don't, you don't even get it. But you go to a foreign country who still has kings and still has royalty, and you disrespect the king, they'll cut your head off. But when you realize that he's the king, and this king is not no ordinary king, He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And this king just happens to hold the very air that you breathe in the palm of his hand. When you realize he's the king, it'll affect how you behave. It'll affect how you treat other subjects in his kingdom. Amen. How you know they'll tell on you. Amen. Amen. You remember, you remember when the servant was forgiven that great debt from the king and then he went out and he put somebody in debtor's prison that was indebted to him. What the other servants, other subjects in the kingdom do? They went and told the king, be careful how you treat other Christians. They might tell on you. Listen. No one we're in a kingdom affects our behavior, but it also affects our service. Our service. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. 
Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. What does that mean? There ain't nothing or nobody that can conquer this kingdom. Hey, hey amen. I got to hurry. That's good stuff. I wish I could preach that right there for just a minute. Let us have grace whereby we may. Come on. Whereby we may serve God. How? With reverence and godly fear. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. Mm. When you realize you're in a kingdom and you have a king, it'll affect how you behave. It'll affect how you serve. Thank God he's transferred me into his kingdom. I'm glad I'm not in the devil's kingdom anymore. I'm glad the devil's not my king no longer. I have a benevolent king, a loving king, a providing king, a generous king, powerful king. Number four, let's hurry. Number one, number one, we're, we're thankful. We're talking about being thankful. We're thankful, number one, because he, he qualified me for an inheritance. Number two, he delivered me. How many of y'all are thankful he delivered you? Number three, after he delivered you, in other words, you could say this. He delivered me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his dear son. He transferred me. He transferred, exchanged. Number four, he redeemed me. He redeemed me. Redeem means to ransom in full. It means to pay a payment. This word, this word was used to speak of freeing slaves. In other words, slaves would be on an auction block. They were there in chains. And they had to be bought. They had to be purchased. But instead of purchasing these slaves to be a taskmaster to enforce labor, a person would pay the price and set them free. So when we see the word redemption, we need to understand something. Two things we need to understand. When we, you know, we sing the song, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. But, but what does that mean? When he, we sing, he's our redeemer, what, what does that really mean? Well, two basic things, real basic. First, it means there was a debt owed. A debt was owed. Matthew 6, 9. Matthew 6, 9 says this. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our our debts. What What do we ask forgiveness for? Our our debt, but what do we call that? Our sin. Our sin. So when we go to God, we say, God, forgive me of my, my sin. But what does Matthew call our sin? He calls it a, a debt. Y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages, the wages of sin is, is death. Preacher, what are you saying? If something has to be redeemed, that means there's a debt owed. 
We used to sing a song when I was a kid growing up. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Are y'all with me? And so when we, we don't need to haphazardly or nonchalantly say, hey, I've been redeemed. We ought to think and understand that when I say I've been redeemed, that means there was a debt that was owed. There was a price that had to be paid. Are y'all with me? I owed a debt. Brother Mark, this debt was a debt I could not pay. And that payment was death. Death was the only way to pay that debt. Look what it says. Not only was there a debt owed. When we say he redeemed me, it's saying that there was a debt owed. B, it's saying that there was a price that was paid. He paid a price. He paid the price. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood. What does it say in Colossians? In Colossians 1, 14. In whom we have redemption through His, His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, there's that word, ye were not redeemed, you were not paid for, you were not purchased, you were not pardoned, you were not uh, uh, delivered, you were not paid for with corruptible things. You couldn't, your debt could not be paid off with silver. Your debt could not be paid off with gold. Your debt could not be paid off with behavior and good deeds received by tradition of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There was a debt owed. When I say I've been redeemed, when we say that we have been redeemed, we're saying that there was a great debt that was owed, but we're saying there was a great price that was paid. And God gave us communion so we would never forget that price. So we would never forget the payment that was made. So we would never forget the cross. We would never forget the blood. We would never forget the sacrifice. Somebody say amen. Oh, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that even though I didn't have what it takes to pay that debt, even though I didn't have what it takes to pay the price, somebody came to me and said, I'll pay the debt for you. Hallelujah. Bless God. That's good. Amen. Listen. And the price was precious. The price was precious. It was His precious blood. That paid our sin. Not only did he. Not only did he qualify me. Not only did he deliver me. Not only did he transfer me. Not only did he redeem me. But he forgave me. He forgave me. Look what it says. In whom, talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption. Come on, we have redemption. Even the 
forgiveness of sin. Now watch this. We could not be forgiven till the price was paid. We had the ability to be forgiven because he paid the price. Y'all with me? Watch this. <laughs> it's two different things. It's two different things. Redemption is not forgiveness and forgiveness is not redemption. Redemption is simply paying the price. But guess what? He could have paid the price and not forgave you. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Come on. He paid the price. And he could have turned around and held that price over our head. But watch what he did. Brother Shane, this is good. Watch this right here. Watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> the Greek word to forgiveness is aphesin. It is a composite of two Greek words, apo, which means from, and hamai, which means to sin. What does that mean? Because Christ redeemed, because Christ paid the price, God has sent away our sin. They will never be found again. It says Psalm 103, 8. As far as the east is from the so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. My, whoop, say amen. My, hallelujah. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That is good. <clears throat> Hebrews eight twelve. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Read it with me. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember... Brother McKelvey, that's some good stuff right there. Watch this. On this side, mankind owed a debt to the Father. Because we rebelled. We broke His law. We offended a holy God. And the wages of sin is death. The day that you eat of that fruit, thou shalt surely die. And God the Son came and He paid the price. He paid the price. Now watch this. That means, Brother Dole, Jesus holds the mortgage. He's the holder. Now, 
The sinner doesn't owe the Father. We owe the... Because he paid the... But forgiveness means he took the mortgage and said... You know what forgive means? You owe me <laughs> Y'all ain't shouting near as good as I'm preaching right now. Come on, people. He paid it all. And then turned around and told us, you don't owe nothing. That makes me think, Brother Dole, that I could still go free. Somebody say amen. amen. Stand to your feet. Hey, fair of you guys, y'all stand up. Y'all stand up right where you are. We're going to dismiss because we're in the red. We're in the red numbers. But we got done, y'all. Now, are you ever again out there? You guys think about this. Will you ever again, when you give a praise or a testimony, just say, I thank God I'm saved? Without thinking, I'm delivered. Bless God, I'm qualified. I'm getting an inheritance. He paid my debt. Hey, he has washed my sin away. Removed them. He didn't cover them. He didn't say that. He took them away. That's why we're justified. Justified. Never sinned.